0: And obviously, you know, it's not the water in and of itself um, that makes baptism, baptism. It is the decision each of us makes to let God know that we want a life on mission for him and we want to follow him. So, yeah, there's something in the water maybe next week if it's your body right here because we're having baptisms next week. So that would be great if you uh, want to be part of that. Or you have questions about baptism, you can ask anybody up here. Certainly talk with Pastor Greg after service today. Um, we want that for your life, and um, we take it very seriously here. And so if you want to do that, we do have some baptisms next week already right after service. And I also encourage you to stay after service next week and witness that and support the people who have chosen to do that, okay? A few other things before we get started. Um, uh, Sunday, 9-11. One, Chiefs game, so feel free to wear your Chiefs gear here on that day to celebrate the first game, but also it is our fall kickoff, and fall kickoff is an amazing time after service. We have a bunch of information and fun things going on in the back. We want you to stay because we want you to get connected. We want you to get connected. We want you to find ways to serve. And that day, all the ministries that we have here will kind of be on highlight, and you'll have an opportunity to talk to those ministry leaders and find ways to get connected and involved and really engage in community. Um, if you have any questions about anything going on here at Southwoods, we want to encourage you. You can always send an email. Super easy to remember. It's pastors at Southwoods, correct? Pastors at Southwoods. <laughs> Sorry. Really easy to remember. Is that right? pastors at Southwoods Um, if you have questions a prayer request anything we can do for you um, you can always reach out via that medium okay Um, also our website southwoods.org again always has all the information of things that are going on and again ways for you to make sure you're up to date right with what's happening Um, I would love to pray us into worship this morning before the team takes over again so if you would stand up with me this morning again we're glad you're here and let's pray and we'll get started Father God, we thank you just for the freedom we're experiencing this morning. Not everybody has that. The freedom to be here and to openly worship in a multitude of ways, you know, through music, through prayer, through teaching, through giving, all these ways that we can bring our worship to you. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with us feeding our you know, own desires or our souls, it's all about worshiping and honoring and giving you glory because you are the one who sustains life. You are the one who offers complete redemption. And we celebrate that this morning by turning over our songs and our teaching and our and our prayers to you. Thank you for that opportunity today, and thank you for the opportunity on a day that is never promised to us. May we not take it for granted. And may we turn our lives over to you today or at least start that process. And I boldly pray that you offer a reminder to everybody here today, everyone who's listening, that they matter. They are important to you. They are deeply important to us. And they are loved. Thank you for your son. And thank you again for the opportunity to worship and celebrate you this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everybody said with a big response, and amen.
1: of all the cool ways that you can give here at Southwoods.
2: Joe. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. I thought about afflicting you with my dancing ability, which, as I was coming up, but didn't want to cause anybody to sin. No. Heck, no harm in that, I'm sure of that. So it's good to see you this morning. Have you ever tried to get the attention of someone in your life? You had to really, really work at it because they were focused on something else, something else other than you. Maybe it was a football game they were focused on, or maybe it was a poignant moment in a book or a movie. Maybe it was, uh, maybe they just focused on their cell phone, you know, and they just, you just could not, you know, just, they just weren't ready to give you their attention. You know, most of us have had that experience. Years ago, Apple and Google were faced with this very problem. They wanted to get the attention of their smartphone users, and all of us at that stage, we were all distracted from buying things on the smartphones. <clears throat> with uh, We were distracted with things like work and playing with our children and driving safely. Remember those days? <clears throat> it's actually not all that long ago. But Google and Apple knew that there was big business in getting our attention, right? They knew it was big business. And so they spent an enormous amount of time, effort, and money on their part, which was frankly from their perspective an investment, they came up with something called push notifications. <laughs> Familiar with them, right? Uh, you, now every time you download an app, you spend you know, a, a certain amount of time trying to configure, how do I shut off notifications from this? Because they're constantly, what, trying to get your attention. I mean, it's like it, they'll ping you. And they want access to everything on your phone because they want your constant what? Attention, attention. Now, I want to contrast that with how God gets our attention, how God relates to us, okay? Just just think with me for the next few moments about this, all right? Because this is a, a dramatic contrast here. Does God push himself onto you or me? No, not really. He really doesn't. Uh, and certainly not in an interruptive, noisy kind of way. The Bible tells us how God routinely reveals his presence to all of us. He's constantly reminding us that he's there, but he's he's just gentle-natured about it. He's not pushy about it. Uh, Psalm uh, 19, verses 1 to 4, gives us this picture. It says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies uh, display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a word or without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet, their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. It's just reminding us there's a God here. This didn't just happen, somebody really made this happen. Romans 1.20 tells us, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. They're, the point of the text is not to indict necessarily as much as just say, no, we're just we're just all without excuse. I mean, if you just look around with an open mind, you're going to say this didn't just happen there's a God revealing, hey, I'm, I'm here. But he's very gentle about it. The extent of God's push notifications are quiet. They're quiet sunrises and sunsets. They're rainbows and flowers. They're stars and constellations in the night sky. So in truth, if you'd like some reassurance of God's presence, really all of us... What we need to do is we need to try slowing down a little, silence some of the distractions in our lives, and we need to pay more attention to what God is quietly saying in the heavens around us every day of every year of our lives. He is quietly whispering, Here I am. Here I am. Look at me. Remember me. Seek me. You'll find me. But maybe what you need in your life is a more specific, personal word from God in your life. And there's many times in all of our lives where we do need that. I mean, we, we don't need just that quiet reassurance. We need, we need a word from God. We need to hear a word of some sort. Maybe it's a word of affirmation or redirection, a word of instruction and guidance in some fashion. We need something more from God. Today's passage of Scripture gently gives us two more keys to hearing God's voice of reassurance and guidance in our lives in a specific way. And if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to open it up with me to Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Uh, we're going to read a few verses there together. And I just, I just saw Steve over here leaving. That picture on the screen, I'll go back to that real fast, uh, uh, if you would. That, that's, uh, Steve took that picture back here. So, so that's his, he took that the other night. So beautiful, isn't it? Beautiful. I, was gonna, I didn't see you, so I couldn't give you credit for the pictures I was going. Uh, so Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, uh, we're going to read a few verses together. Before we start reading, here's what I want you to notice something. As we do read it, I'm not going to talk a lot about this, but I want you to notice the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three show up at the exact same time in this passage, okay? It doesn't happen real often, but it does happen in this passage, in this event in the life of Jesus And so that's a significant thing. And now as we read these verses, kind of with that and just what we're talking about here of giving God our attention and just hearing from Him, listen to what the Scriptures tell us. Starting at verse 13. Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk Him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? Jesus said... It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all show up here. And the passage of Scripture here reveals gently two keys to hearing God's voice of reassurance, guidance in our lives. It happens to Jesus here. And I want you to understand as we walk our way through this, that it wasn't just for Him, but it's for us too. It's for us too. First key to hearing God's voice in our lives is this. We need to learn to follow God's instructions. We've got to follow God's instructions. In Matthew 3... We find John the Baptist, who is a prophet, right? Jesus describes him as a righteous man. Nobody else like him, you know. In the words of Jesus, it's Jesus describes him with this unbelievable high praise. No man like John the Baptist uh, is kind of the language that he uses to describe him in the Gospels. But here, John the Baptist, this righteous man, was reluctant to do what God expected to be done. And I want you to notice why he was reluctant. In verse 14, John says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. Or in other words, what's John saying? He's saying, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. And you know, John's right. I mean, he is unworthy. Was, is, always, will be from a human standpoint unworthy. He is that. We would be as well. I mean, who among us would be worthy to baptize the Son of the living God? None of us. None of us. So John did exactly what we tend to do. He temporarily let his inferiority, his sense of insecurity, confuse and paralyze his better judgment. That's what he did. Here's what I mean by that. Think with me. Have you ever been reluctant to do something God's clearly asked you to do because you didn't feel worthy? Have you ever been reluctant to do that? That's, what, that's where John was. So John's literally trying to talk Jesus out of being baptized. It's sort of like Peter later in Jesus' life when he's trying to convince Jesus that he doesn't need to go to the cross to die. Same, same kind of scenario. There's an unworthiness. There's, there's I know better about how this should maybe happen. It's, it's an, an interesting phenomenon that happens. Have you ever had an instance like that where you're reluctant to do something God has clearly asked you to do simply because you didn't feel like you were worthy? Look at it this way. Has God asked you and me as his followers to be his witnesses, to share our faith, to talk to people who don't know Jesus, people who are far from God, about God's love and concern for them and the difference he could make in their lives. Has, has he asked us to do that? Yes. There ever been times where you're reluctant to do that because in that moment you just, you're tired, you're, you feel unworthy, you feel insecure about how this is going to happen, how this is going to go. Similar to what John had going on inside of him here. Maybe God said to you to serve in some way. He's called you to lead a Bible study, and you know that. Or he He's prompting you to serve in a children's area or a student area or something. Maybe He's called some of us within the sound of my voice to teach and preach Scripture, to actually like devote themselves vocationally to ministry. Maybe you've been reluctant to do that. Because the truth is, in your heart of hearts, you just feel, I'm not worthy to do that. You just say, welcome to the club. This is, the kingdom of God is going to be filled only with unworthy servants. It's how we have to think of it. We will never be worthy, certainly not our own. The only one who's worthy is Jesus. And by him being a part of your life, you become worthy. Not because of you, but because of him. And part of that process is choosing him and to follow his instructions. I wonder if some of us have even... Chosen not to be baptized yet because I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not yet worthy to be baptized. You'll never get there. None of us is ever worthy. So, what has God been asking you to do that you've maybe been reluctant to obey? Maybe you've even tried to talk Him out of it. And maybe what God's trying to say to you this morning is, My vision for your life is to follow my instructions not to let unworthiness, insecurity, inferiority hold you back and paralyze you. We want to hear God speak, hear God's voice in our lives. Sort of that foundational piece of that is we've got to follow the words of Jesus. We've got to embrace his worldview where he says in verse 15, it should be done For we must carry out all that God requires. We must live with a follow God's instructions worldview. We've got to embrace it. It's the first key to hearing God's voice in our lives. We need to start and continue following God's instructions. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. If you remember the story as we read it just a few moments ago, and something interesting happened. Verse 16 tells us, that after his baptism, this is uh, after his Jesus' baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, the text says, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Which brings us to the second key to hearing God's voice in our lives. And this may sound a little unusual, but I want you to think with me about it. We need to learn from the dove. We need to learn from from the dove, D-O-V, dove. Many biblical scholars believe that the dove here was, in fact, a turtle dove. And contrary to perhaps what you think, you have heard of what a turtle dove is. You know that? On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. You've heard of turtle doves. It's not, a, it's not an unusual thing to you. You're even familiar with what a turtle dove looks like, even if you didn't realize it. How many of you have ever fed pigeons? You've ever done that? Come on, come on, fess up, raise your hand. A little higher, a little higher. We got the lazy raise of the hands there. So let's go a little higher. Look, look at this, you, we've, some of us have done this kind of thing, just like this little picture here on the screen. We've done this kind of thing. We have fed the pigeons and, and we've done, uh, done that sort of thing. Here's the thing. Pigeons and turtle doves look exactly alike. If you've seen one, you've seen what the other looks like. But there are some visible temperament differences between doves and pigeons. And it tells us a lot. It tells us a lot about Jesus. It tells us a lot about the Holy Spirit. It tells us a lot about God's vision for our lives and uh, let me just highlight some of the differences between the two. If you are a turtle dove, you're shy, you're hypersensitive, you're, you're skittish. That's what a turtle dove is like. On the other hand, a pigeon is stubborn. You can't get rid of them. They're a nuisance. Everywhere they go, they make messes. This is the difference between a turtle dove and a pigeon. Pigeons are, 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 turtle doves are peaceful and gentle and quiet, and they... They can't stand noise. They just want calm. While pigeons fight all the time, they're belligerent to one another. They peck and poke at each other and they, they make lots of constant noise. Turtle doves are known for their soft and beautiful
3: cooing
2: kind of coo. If you, if you, I won't belabor that. But that's there you go. You heard it. Somebody nailed it. That's exactly what it is. They're known for this soft and beautiful cooing. Uh, Pigeons make annoying guttural sounds. I mean, you just want them to stop. That's what you want them to do. Turtle doves, they're afraid of humans. They they want their distance. They're into social distancing, is what they're in. (laughs) Pigeons, on the other hand, they are completely at home with humans. They're totally unafraid of you. They will eat out of your hand. They will chase you, they will stalk you for food. This is, they're very different. Turtle doves can't be trained or domesticated. They're truly wild, where pigeons are easily trained and because you can feed them and they want food, you can control them. When you think of homing pigeons, what do you think of? These are trained birds that used to carry messages at large distances in ancient times. Pigeons and doves look very much the same. But it's important that we remember that the Holy Spirit came as a dove, right? As a dove, not a pigeon. This has implications in Matthew 3. We learn something here with this in mind about Jesus' nature. Since a dove settled and rested and remained on Him, as the text tells us, think about this, as, because a dove Came and settled on him, it tells us something about the nature and quality of his spirit, his temperament. He's gentle, he's tender, he's quiet, he's patient, he's undemanding, maybe even a little wild and untamable. Safe. But he's humble. It tells us about Jesus. In this same incident, we learn something about the Holy Spirit, His nature. Because the nature of the Son and the Spirit are the same. If you would like the Holy Spirit to be present in your life, if you and I want that in a sustained kind of way, and hear what I said. In a sustained kind of way. If you don't want to quench the spirit, as Paul warns us and cautions us about in 1 Thessalonians, if you don't want to do that, you want the spirit a part of your life, we need to cultivate gentleness, tenderness, humility, patience, quietness of spirit that's quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to grow angry. That's how we get the Holy Spirit to settle and rest and remain on us, as he did in Jesus' day. So if you want the Holy Spirit to live in your life that way, we've got to learn from the dove. It's a key to hearing God's voice in our lives. Sometimes we don't hear God's voice because we never grow quiet and still, as we talked about the first week, and even sort of, alluded to in the early part of this message, but sometimes we don't hear the voice of God speak because we are just determined to do my thing. We don't understand that following God's instructions is a key component. It's a a foundational part of, of God's Holy Spirit not being quenched in our lives. And Even if we're following God's instructions, so to speak, it's imperative that we learn from the dove be humble, gentle, kind, self-controlled, patient. These are the fruit of the Spirit. It's not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. This is really a key. And if you and I begin to walk in this path as Jesus did, you notice what happened to Jesus. Verse 17 says, when he came up out of the waters of baptism, when he completed what God had asked him to do, a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. It was a specific personal word of affirmation. Now, if you're like me, when I first read this years ago, it made sense to me that our Heavenly Father would speak those kinds of words about Jesus. After all, He's the only begotten Son of the Father. He's God in flesh. He, he perfectly did everything that the Father asked Him to do. He couldn't even be talked out of doing the right thing. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, John's literally trying to talk Him out of doing the right thing. Peter's later trying to talk Him out of doing the right thing. He... he He was so determined to do the right thing, it didn't matter what anybody else around him did. It didn't. He was devoted to following God's instructions. He was devoted to developing the kind of spirit that the heavenly dove would gladly, gladly rest and remain in. So why wouldn't God speak words of affirmation to him? What's taken me over the years a bit of time to get my mind and heart around is that you and I, though, if we will embrace what we're talking about here, if we'll obey God's instructions, if we'll learn from the dove, it is God's will for you to hear words of affirmation from him as well. Personal words. And He will do that. I mean, you may not hear the heavens open and an announcement that, like, other people think it's thunder, and, but you know it's a, you hear it as a word from God. It's, it's not going to happen like that maybe in your life, but I can guarantee you, you will hear the voice of God in your life from within. Let me give you another verse of Scripture. We could spend a lot more time talking about this this morning, but I want you to listen to John 14, verse 21. Again, it's Jesus himself speaking. It's not going to be on the screen, but I want you to listen to it. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's in the context of talking about the Holy Spirit, and he says this, those who accept my commandments and obey them, okay, what's he saying? He's saying those those who follow God's instructions, right? Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me, and because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and notice what he says, and reveal myself to each of them. He says, I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Now, some of us, honestly, would be scared by that because we just go, I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. Because where are we going? I'm not worthy mode. You're right. You're not. Neither am I. Neither are We. But the fact is, God wants to reassure. He wants you to know that if you have chosen to follow his instructions and if you embrace, you know, learn from the dove and the spirit of the dove, live this way, become this kind of person reflexively. And let me just say it's incongruent. I I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook because it's trained us all to spout opinions that we would never say to somebody's face originally, and guess what? Now people are saying it to each other's faces. It's trained us to live like pigeons instead of doves. This is problematic. This is not appropriate for you who claim to be and want to be God's child. I mean, if we want to, the Holy Spirit to be a part of our lives, we have got to, we got to become qualitatively different to the core of our beings, like Jesus. Because what that does in us is it creates space for God to work and speak and guide and lead and rescue when necessary and redirect And it puts us in a position with the power of his spirit to help and encourage, inspire others around us with hope and opportunity in a life that's beyond this life. It's what you were made for, it's what I was made for. And we're not worthy of that, and we never will be, but Jesus is worthy of that. He purchased that on the cross for you and me. And if we will humble ourselves and embrace him and his way of life, which means following his instructions and learning from the dove and embracing that Jesus says, these are the ones that love me and I will reveal myself, the text says, to each of them. Which means you're going to get to meet him or hear him somehow. So if you want a word from God, if you need a specific instruction of some sort from God in your life, um, it begins with choosing, resolving in our spirits, and I'm going to follow and obey God's instructions, and whatever he asks me to do. Is there any area in your life where you need to decide that today? Maybe you need to be baptized, maybe you need to confess something to somebody. Maybe you need to reconcile with somebody. Maybe there's some other thing, instruction God's given you that you just need to say yes to instead of, I'll think about that. Yes, say yes. Maybe you need to resolve today to be controlled less by unworthiness and inferiority. Maybe you need to decide to develop the gentleness of Jesus and the dove and Be more attentive to God's voice in your life and embrace the kind of lifestyle that will make that possible. Will you do it? Will you do it? I can assure you this. Once you've heard the voice of God even one time, uh, you don't really care about what anybody else has to say. You just don't. Jesus heard, This is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. You hear something like that from the Father, and it changes you for the better. So let's choose that path. Let's choose that path. We'll give you an opportunity this morning to kind of reflect on some of this and to. Um, confess anything to the Father that you need to in our communion time in just a few moments. Maybe you picked up the bread and the juice this morning as you came in. As we share in the Lord's Supper, a few moments it's an opportunity to remember Jesus' body was nailed to the cross. His blood was shed specifically because you and I are not worthy. This is what made you worthy. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's what makes you worthy. His blood was shed so that your sins could be atoned for. Heard this past week some weird news thing. They were interviewing some singer. We've just got more weird celebrities on the news anymore than we've ever heard. And thankfully, I can't remember the person's name. She was talking about drinking the blood of somebody else in her life, drinking somebody's blood. It's just weird. It's just wrong. Scripture forbids such things. It's, and We've become a generation where we want to dabble in everything that's unacceptable and everything that's harmful in some way. Scripture's really clear. The life is in the blood. The life of Jesus is in the blood. And it was given for you. And as we take these emblems They're symbolic of the body and the blood of Jesus. His body surrendered in obedience to the Father, his instructions, his blood shed, his life exchanged for our life. And as you symbolically take those elements, what he was supposed to inherit, which was Joy and eternity and the glory of the Father and an eternal kingdom, everlasting love, these things and many others, all that was His, because of your faith in Jesus, becomes yours. And what you should have inherited, which was punishment and death and ridicule and abuse, He took as his inheritance on the cross. Because they knew that one day the Father would make the injustice of all of that right. And through our faith we would be saved and we'll together celebrate eternity together. So as we share in the Lord's Supper this morning, just recommit yourself to a God who loves you like that. He's not silent. He's revealed himself. He's just not pushy, like all the people in the world who want your money, who want your attention, who want you, another piece of you. This morning, just decide you're going to give yourself fully to God, who's quietly, gently asking, Okay. Bow our heads and we'll share in the Lord's Supper together. You can talk to Him about these things and listen for His voice in your life. Father, we thank you that you care about us, that you're gentle, that you're tender hearted. Thank you that your ways are not our ways, because our ways are not all that good lead us into righteousness cleanse us from our iniquities and sins you claimed us on the cross lord jesus this morning we just come before you and once again say here we are here i am receive me lord i ask for you to be a part of my life make me yours." God, help us to walk in your ways. Help us to become more like the gentle dove that is the Holy Spirit. May we, may we as your children become those who do not quench you, the people on whose lives the Holy Spirit can settle and remain. And we don't scare him away by the way we live, the things we say. things we watch and ingest. We need you. And in these moments, as we reflect on these matters, and as we thank you, Jesus, for what you've done, would you speak to us? We need to hear, need to hear your gentle words of reassurance and affirmation. Every one of us does. We lift this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Go ahead and stand up with us just after talking about this grace of God that we receive um, through baptism and through his Holy Spirit. We just want to sing about that together as a congregation before we leave. So sing along. I think you know it. Father, God, thank you for your son. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, that because of you, we have the option of new life. We have the option of grace. Father, I just pray for anybody here who is noticing just that unworthiness or shame. God, that you would break those chains today. God, that they would leave here knowing who you are and what you want for them. And God, that we would all be able to live that out. Go with us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.